0: We're so thankful that you are with us this morning at Chanel. Uh We're starting a new series today called Home. And when I think about being home for the holidays, I think about spending time with family, uh, eating food. But one of the things in the Kittinger household that we love to do the most is watching Christmas movies. Uh, there's nothing better than getting done with dinner, cleaning it up, popping some popcorn, sitting on the couch and introducing kids to movies that sometimes hold up. Sometimes we have to pause and explain some things, but... Uh, you know, the 90s were a wild time for movies, but it's movies is kind of really what we think about when we think about the holidays. And so this morning, I'm introducing a series where we will weave together famous Christmas movies. Now, I'm going to be using a few, and the, some of the ones that didn't make the cut were this, Gremlins. Gremlins did not make the cut. I did not think it was appropriate for a Christmas kind of church sermon to do Gremlins and Die Hard. Die Hard also, I know, we got some hands going up. It is a Christmas movie, but it didn't make the cut. And so Be sure, if you can, to watch some of our social media stuff, and maybe watch the movies ahead of time. So this week, we'll be talking about Christmas Vacation. And so I know that's probably Eddie Creighton, one of Eddie's favorite movies. So we're going to be talking about Christmas Vacation. But before I do, I want to kind of introduce a story about elves. I love the Christmas season. It is my favorite time of the year. Uh, The events, the gatherings, they renew my spirit. And I don't know about in your household what traditions that you guys have for things that you do, but a tradition that has happened in our family is every evening an elf visits our house. It is a Christmas miracle every single morning when one of these little guys moves about our house. We don't know how it happens. It just does. We, everyone goes to bed, and the elf will move to one room to another, sometimes doing hijinks, Maybe getting into trouble, like in these pictures here, uh, when things go awry. uh, Like this picture here, the elf takes a little marker and draws on the kids' faces. Or sometimes things don't work out for the elves either. Messing with uh, Elsa here. uh, And also, uh, you can't mess with Star Wars, so don't even try. But maybe you've seen these on social media. But in our household, these elves move every evening. Now, most of the time, they, they just kind of move from one room to another. Sometimes they leave a little encouraging note. For example, say the kids were bad the next day, the last day. Our elves maybe try to encourage our kids to maybe improve their behavior just a little bit. So recently, one of ours was the elves wrote a note to Judah and Isla, and it said basically this. Some of our friends got turned into chocolate because they weren't listening to their mommy and daddy. Don't let this happen to you, but fi- find the five pieces of chocolate in the house. It helps. These elves were working together. But, but these elves create this expectation in our house of what every day is supposed to look like. And so imagine, a few days into this holiday process, the elves don't move. And my son, every single morning, swings his door open and declares, i got to find these elves. A startling way to wake up as a parent, but something that we are getting used to in December door open. I got to find these elves. And then he's running through the house. Now imagine his disappointment when he goes into the room that the elves were the previous day to find that the elves had not moved. He comes and he gets me and he's like, dad, something has happened to these elves. I try to explain to him, hey, Judah, these elves are just doing the best they can. Uh, I'm just saying, Judah, I don't know. Maybe these elves are tired. Maybe they were watching TV and fell asleep and just forgot. I don't know, Judah. We're not, we're not going to put a lot of pressure on these elves. We're going to them, show them a little bit of grace. And so we, we talked through and we kind of explained to him, hey, you know, maybe the elves just forgot to move, but by the time you come back from school, I promise you, buddy, these elves are going to be moving as soon as mommy and daddy leave the house. Who knows what these elves will get into? And that helped the solution. Once he got back from school, the elves had moved and the Christmas magic had been restored. But I tell that story because it's a lot about expectations. We all enter life with expectations. Maybe when you started your career, you had hopes and dreams of where that job would take you. Or maybe the expectations for your marriage weren't met and you were left disappointed. Or even attending a certain school didn't work out the way that you wanted it to. Regardless, we understand the frustration or pain that comes when things don't go the way that we want them to. But friends, how we respond to those challenges shows who we are. It puts our character on display. And this morning, I'm using the story of Mary to talk about expectations and reflect on how Mary responds when things change for her. And so our text begins this morning in Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, in these few verses, we start to shape the experience of Mary. Likely, Mary at this point in her life was but a young teenager, maybe 13, 14, hopefully 15 years old. And this angel comes to Mary and declares to her that you are highly favored. And I don't know how many teenagers you know But maybe think about when you were a teenager. How would you respond to this? Any time in Scripture that we see an angel encountering a person, it is this intimidating, fear-filled experience for that person. They're scared. Because an angel is talking to them. I myself have never had an encounter with an angel. If you have, again, we'll talk after this. I want to know details. But Mary likely has never spoken to an angel before. And in this moment, this angel comes to her and says, Mary, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. But look at how Mary responds. Verse 29 says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And depending on your translation, you might have the word perplexed there. I think more than confusion is this idea of disruption. Remember, Mary is a teenager who is betrothed to Joseph. If you're considering getting engaged right now, don't say betrothed. It's not as romantic as it sounded in the Bible. But Mary is is betrothed to Joseph. She is going to get married to Joseph. She's engaged to him. That is where her life is headed. That is where all of her life expectations, they are circling around this idea of a new life with Joseph. Getting married, having a home, maybe starting a family. It's likely consuming all of her time and energy. One of my weaknesses in my academic studies is ancient marriages. I just I don't really know that much about ancient marriage ceremonies. But if I were to assume that maybe they had dancing and fun gatherings, I don't know. Perhaps that Mary was focused on going having this wedding, and, and maybe just hypothetically say that one of the elders at her church asked one of the preacher's kids to take his shirt off and swing it around his head. Just this is hypothetically, it's definitely never happened at a wedding that this church has been a part of. And And before you guess, it wasn't JJ. JJ did not do that. So now you guys got to think about what elder asked Judah to take his shirt off. And so, now you're catching up. So Mary's thinking about all of these different things. Her life is wrapped up in what it's supposed to be. She has all of these expectations and dreams of where her life is headed. And in this moment, this unexpected day, Mary has this encounter with an angel And the angel basically tells her everything that you thought you were going to do that's on pause. Because God has a different plan for you. The angel said to her in verse 30, "'Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David.'" It will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. I don't know if this helps Mary. I want to think that it did. I want to think that when when Mary is perplexed, when she's confused as to why this is happening, when the angel of the Lord continues on in verse 30 through 33, that maybe that lessened the blow. Maybe Mary was like, okay, maybe this will be okay like, my life is not headed in the direction that I thought it was going to be, but, but maybe it's going to be okay because this angel of the Lord has said that I'm going to conceive of this child. But then when you hear the details of the child, this isn't just a regular life, a normal life that Mary thought that she was going to have. The angel of the Lord tells her that, no, the child that you're going to have is the Messiah. It's about Expectations. I've already mentioned this, but one of my favorite movies of all time is Christmas Vacation. Hard shift. Hopefully you guys are ready for this. But one of my favorite movies of all time is Christmas Vacation. And I thought a lot this week, why is that? It's because of my dad. When I think about the times in my life that my father has laughed the hardest, Chevy Chase has contributed to those. There's something about that man that when my dad laughs, like the hardest that he laughs, it's when Chevy Chase is on screen. But Christmas vacation is at its core about expectations. It is. It is a fun, filled comic comedy movie about Christmas, but guys, it's about expectations and i don't even think that you have to go too deep into the movie to see that this whole movie is based off of having these expectations of what you want christmas to be. And Stan's got my first clip ready because we don't even have to go too deep into the movie to to emphasize this point of expectations. Let's go to clip number 1, Stan. The Lord. That was beautiful. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. fa la 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 Tis the season Tis to be jolly. fa la 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 Done we now our gay apparel. la 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 the carol. fa la 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 Take it, Russ. fa la 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 Dad, can you explain again what we're doing? Sure, Russ. We're kicking off our fun old-fashioned family Christmas by heading out into the country in the old front-wheel drive sleigh to embrace the frosty majesty of the winter landscape and select that most important of Christmas symbols. We're not driving all the way out here so you can get one of those stupid ties with the Santa Clauses on it, are we, Dad? No, I have one of those at home. What we're looking for today is the Griswold family Christmas tree. So the, the clip is gonna end here, hopefully, okay. Uh, the clip ends there. Um, anyway, so if you've seen the movie, you've seen the movie. But the clip ends there. But what do you see in that clip, right? You see a family. This is the opening scene of Christmas Vacation. You see a family driving to go get the best Christmas tree in the whole wide world. They're singing together, at least the, the parents are. <laughs> now, I cut the clip for several reasons because you know what happens next. Clark gets into an altercation with another driver. That sends them into a comical car accident where they go off into the snow. They end up crashing their car in the parking lot. Then they get out of the car, walk through the frozen tundra to find the biggest Christmas tree that you've ever seen, only to realize that they don't have a saw to cut down the Christmas tree. The movie starts off about failed expectations, about everything that he wants it to be. It doesn't work out the way that it does, but the movie continues, right? They finally get the tree home. Doesn't fit. They put it in the house. Remember, he cuts the rope. All the windows are broken in the living room. A lot of sap, remember? A lot of sap. Then Clark wants everyone at his home for Christmas. Extended family, aunts, grandparents, everyone that he can imagine. He wants them in their home, but that just causes awkwardness and discomfort. And that is on full display in this last clip that I'm going to show from dinner. Let's get that one going, Stan. Uh. Before we begin, since this is Aunt Bethany's 80th Christmas, I think she should lead us in the saying of grace. Oh, great. What, dear? Grace! Grace! She passed away 30 years ago. They want you to say grace, the blessing. allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, all one you nation indivisible, with liberty, liberty and justice for all. Amen. 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 So thank you for humoring me with that. But again, you're, you're seeing these layers of expectations in this movie. I showed two clips. I showed the opening scene, the dinner scene. I didn't even talk about the Christmas lights. I didn't talk about cousin Eddie showing up. None of that. And I didn't even talk about what the whole movie is is founded on of Clark getting this Christmas bonus so that he can build a pool for his family. The whole movie revolves around a paycheck. But it's all about expectations. And I think that's why this movie is a classic. Is Yes, it's fun, it's a holiday film, but it, it represents a lot of our emotions when things don't go our way. When your plans are disrupted, do you quit or give up? When your dinner doesn't turn out the way that you want it to, and your turkey is the driest turkey that you've ever seen in this entire world. Didn't even include that. But when that happens, do you reshuffle and you say, you know, look, we're going to order a pizza from Little Nero's. It doesn't matter. We're going to just move on. But how we respond to these situations determines and shapes who we are. Now, we spent a decent amount of time, possibly too much time, talking about Clark Griswold this morning. But we need to get back into the story of Mary. Because I want you to see how Mary responds when things don't go the way that she wants them to. When her expectations of life are not met. Mary responds in Luke chapter 1, verse 34. How will this be, Mary asks the angel, since I am a virgin? I've looked at this text a lot this week. Because I hear a lot of different emotions in Mary's voice. I hear fear. I hear confusion. I I think there's even a little bit of the frustration of the plans that she has made falling by the wayside. I see a lot of those different emotions there. Her hopes and dreams of the life that she was about to have rapidly changing right in front of her. And so this isn't really a question of, it's not rejection, but a desire for clarification. Because she knows that Joseph is not going to believe her. She knows that her parents will likely not believe her. That the people in her community, they will likely not believe her either when she says, hey guys, I'm pregnant, but it's because an angel of the Lord has told me that I will carry the Messiah. Like she's carrying the weight of the world. And again, it's important to be reminded she's just a teenager who had plans for life and now those plans have been disrupted. But the angel provides assurance in verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now breaking this apart, we see something that that Mary would have noticed, and that a lot of Israelites would have noticed, that usage of overshadowing. See, they would have heard this and been reminded of how God protects them. This idea of overshadowing that God would follow along with them as they walked and journeyed through their life. I think this is the first marker that when Mary hears it, I do think this is the first time where Mary thinks that this is going to be okay. And maybe it's the first time that she feels that safety net of God that, hey, my, my life isn't going the way that, it's, that I want it to. The expectations that I had for my life, those are changing fast. But this angel is telling me that God will overshadow me. That God will protect me from harm. That as I walk into this unknown terrain with new plans, with new goals, with new expectations, that God will be over me. God will protect and deliver me. Because what she is about to carry in the life that she's about to embrace upon, it's not a light one. See, when the angel says, so the holy one to be born will be called the Son of God, this would have exalted this child over David. All of a sudden, we're not just talking about something that is out of this world for Mary. It's something that is like, it's divine. That she is going to have a part in something that will change the world. And so she knows at this point she needs to be overshadowed by God. And she's reminded of that. And so the text continues, Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Angel is saying, I know you're worried, but God is about to do miraculous things. I know you're scared, but God is going to overshadow you. I know you maybe doubt where this is going or where God is going to take you, but I promise you that God is going to deliver you into something amazing and powerful. And friends, this is where the story gets exciting to me. Not the angel showing up to Mary. Not hearing all of these, these beautiful and powerful words from the angel. But what excites me is how Mary responds. Verse 38, Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I tried to emphasize this multiple times this morning, but Mary's just a teenage girl who on a random day found out that she would conceive of the Messiah, that the weight of the world would be upon her. And look at how she responds. It's powerful. And as we enter into the holiday season, there's, there's a confidence that we see in Mary that we all should take. So we glaze over these stories, but we see these powerful words here. And may your word to me be fulfilled. I want to live like that. When my life is disrupted, when my plans go awry, when the things that I expect to happen don't happen, I want to recognize that maybe God is doing something that I can't see. And so guys, there will be moments in your life when things don't go the way that you want them to. You can make all the plans that you want, but when things change and pieces get moved you've got to respond in a way like Mary does. Because how we respond to those changes that shapes our futures. We can certainly choose the people who give up when things don't go the way that we want them to, or we can choose to be the people who have the same confidence of Mary. Someone who, when her life changed, did not quit or run away, but saw that God was attempting to do something bigger and greater than the plans that she had for herself. And so this week, when your plans get disrupted, When the the plans, the desires that you have in your life, when they change, when they move, don't get frustrated. But choose to look at it as God is doing something different than you had planned. And maybe God has a better plan than you had ever planned in your life. Let's stand and sing together.